Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Welcome to An Hour to Kill, a podcast where we take an hour of your time talking about horror and we hide it in shame, but lovingly so. I'm your host, Dorian Adaholic Brown, and I'm joined once again by the immortal Damon D.B. Weathers. Damon, what's up, sir? Yeah, I'm really hungry, I just realized. Uh, but other than that, I'm doing good. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Hopefully, you can hold off, starve off hunger for an hour, because that's, you know, that's what uh, that's what we do here. It, it'll only be a short, brief hour, and then uh, you can go indulge. Any, uh, oh, any yeah. plans on food? What, what, what are you thinking tonight? I don't know. I'm feeling pizza. I, I probably shouldn't, but I'm probably going to anyway. So pizza sounds kind of good. Hell yeah. Somebody in the, uh, I forget who, but somebody in the Discord just posted something about like a stuffed pizza. Yesterday oh. I was like, oh yeah, I, I want stuffed crust pizza. And so that's uh, that's what we did. And, God, uh, that sounds amazing. That See, that yeah. might be it. That's the call. Thank you, whoever did that. Yeah, thank you. I, I wish I remember now, but I, it might have been Pood. I don't know. I'll, I'll just say Pood because Pood's a great man anyways. It was probably Pood. It's probably. Uh, <laughs> so we are back for another episode of An Hour to Kill. If this is your first time, hello, welcome. Uh, we take a horror topic. We talk about movies and we talk about it for an hour. So you can, you know kill an hour exactly as the title says uh on today's episode we're going to be discovering our favorite guilty pleasure horror movie of all time now what exactly does that mean well i mean we didn't really set a strict criteria but in my head what i designed about what what i thought about for that was something that's you know you wouldn't consider like a classic you're not gonna if you're talking about your top five horror movies it's not gonna show up there you know it might even be thought of positively might be thought of as negatively but it's something that you know while you're not gonna if somebody's asking you hey what are the horror movies i must watch before i die this movie's probably not gonna come up but it's something you enjoy nonetheless uh what was did you have like a specific criteria in mind for this damon without giving away your choice yet did you did you have a criteria in mind when you were thinking about this or I looked at it as uh, <clears throat> if somebody asked me if I saw it, nine out of ten people, I'd lie and say, no, I've never seen it. Okay, yeah. See, I, I, see I'm more proud of my choice, so I definitely didn't go that hard with it. Um, but that's fair. And, and after seeing your movie, I understand that now. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, uh, Damon, what is your movie? Uh, I'm going the classic Ghost Ship from 2002. The classic, a sure way to put it, uh, Ghost Ship. We, we will be getting into that real shortly. Uh, I picked uh, Slither, uh, the tw- 2006 movie directed by DC president James Gunn. Uh, so that was, uh, that was an interesting choice and uh, a fun movie, and we'll talk about that too. Uh, so as always, we're going to be spoiling, spoiling the ever-loving shit out of these movies. So if you haven't seen these movies... Um, I mean, watch them or don't, uh, these are guilty pleasure movies. So you might not miss too much by hearing us yammer on about them this time, right? If anything, we might convince you to actually watch something you wouldn't have watched. Uh, okay. I've just realized I don't have the timer open. So let me open that up. There yeah. we go. All right. That is open and we are basically set. So if there's nothing else, uh, Damon, did you have any last thoughts, concerns before we roll right into ghost ship? Uh, I already don't like oceans. Um, or uh, anything I don't understand, which is everything in the ocean. So uh, I'm going to run through this son of a bitch really fast. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. <laughs> so uh, on the count, we're going to do a little bit of countdown as usual, and then we're going to start the timer. So here we go. Three, two, one, and the timer has started. Let's get into it. Ghost Ship, released in October 
of 2002. It's uh, directed by Stephen Beck, starring, it's got quite a cast. You've got Gabriel Byrne, Juliana Margulies, Emily Browning, very young Emily Browning, uh, Carl Urban. Some of my, just realizing a couple honorable mentions I had, uh, was going to do Slumber Party Massacre and Silent Night, and or Silent Night, Deadly Night, part two. You got to go part two for the Garbage Day line. And if anybody knows what I'm talking about, shout it out. But Ghost Ship, I, I had to go with Ghost Ship. A quick synopsis of it. Uh, it's, you know, Salvage Crew discovers a long lost 1962 passenger ship floating lifeless in a remote region of the Bering Sea and soon notices that its long, long, long dead inhabitants may still be on board. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of what it is. It's, it's a ghost ship. When I first saw this, I'll be honest, my wife made me watch this. Yeah, I'm going to put her on blast. Uh, and as I'm watching it, you know, Joel Silver's name shows up, Bob Zemeckis, Susan Levin, who's actually Robert Downey's wife uh, before she married him. So and she's she's a pretty prolific producer. You know, you see their names as the movie starts and the crawl starts. And it's really cool. You've got the awesome 60s aesthetic. You get the little bit of art deco on the ship. Almost reminds you of Bioshock uh, pre all the bullshit that happens. And you get into an opening that's actually, it, it's very much like the Friday the 13th remake. The first 10 minutes are, are balls to the wall. There's an opening that is holy shit awesome and probably one of the best openings you'll see in a long time. Uh, it's just a cacophony of kills that happen. I mean, you have a whole dance floor. People get completely sliced in half or in different sections by a, a, a wire. Eventually, it leads into other stuff and but the opening, I mean, if anybody watches this, literally just watch the opening. The opening's amazing. Uh, but, you know, 10 minutes after uh, or so, uh, you get into this really bad 90s editing style. You get into this new metal song by Mudvayne blaring over the movie while the driver in the cabin is, is just headbanging. You know, so I'm watching this and, and two things come to mind. I, I'm thinking, you know, first, who the hell did Gabriel Byrne owe a favor to do this movie? Uh, and why does this movie feel so much like 13 ghosts, which is just under guilty pleasure for me. Uh, 13 ghosts is terrible, um, but it has its fun moments and, it, and it's, and it's kind of mindless much like this. So as we're watching this, I, I looked at my wife and I go, this really feels like 13 ghosts. And I looked it up and sure enough, Steve Beck did both movies. These are actually his only two movies he made. Um, he's a VFX guy that was at ILM back in the day. He was in a lot of classic films, uh, you know, doing VFX for them. You know, where there's Hunt for Red October, uh, Indiana Jones, Last Crusade. And, you know, there's, a, there's a, quite a list. Um, but these are the only two films he directed. As the movie starts and you get through, like I said, you get through the crawl. And then you start realizing this is a Dark Castle picture. Um, Dark Castle, for anybody who knows, is Zemeckis and Joel Silver's horror production company that's under Silver Pictures' label. They're responsible for movies like this, 13 Ghosts, Ghost Ship, uh, the House of Wax remake, the House on Haunted Hill remake, Gothica, Orphan. You get that vibe. You get that style. All those movies you kind of get. That's a Dark Castle movie. Uh, eventually, they dabble in non-horror stuff later on, like Rock and Roll, uh, Ninja, Ninja Assassin, a few other things. But there's just a level of quality and feel uh, and look that you're getting with a Dark Castle movie. So this movie's super quintessential for what those guys do, uh, you know, low budget horror. I, I want to say it's $20 million. Um, but one thing that stuck out, stuck out to me while we were watching it, I actually remember always seeing this poster uh, at video stores. Uh, hell, I even remember seeing it at a theater and the poster's so cheaply done. 
And this movie's (laughs) this movie is so cheaply done that they actually stole that poster from a movie called Death Ship in 1980. I mean, it's pretty uncanny, except this is a bad Photoshop job. At least the Death Ship one is is completely hand drawn. Looks kind of cool. Anyway, going off the deep there, pun intended. Uh, it's not a good movie. It's not at all. But the but the reason it's a guilty pleasure for me, um, after watching it the first time, I kind of was surprised. It, it does build an atmosphere with the murkiness and, and gross scenery of the rundown abandoned ship, surprisingly. Uh, the screenplay doesn't avoid all the Hollywood conventions, and it definitely has the cliches of horror films, especially at the time. Um, but I'll give Steve Beck... You know, I'll give him this. He really makes up for it by shrouding the movie in that atmosphere and the mystery as soon as the crew discovers the ship. Gabriel Byrne and and Juliana Margulies, they actually really surprised me. This might be right before Juliana's kind of, I don't want to say household name, but before she hits ER and and Good Wife and all that and network television. But, but Gabriel Byrne really kind of shocked me because he's not phoning it in by any means. And don't get me wrong, he's, he's a fantastic actor, especially if you've seen In Treatment or hereditary or several other things. And he's, but he's not without these kind of hammy roles. Uh, I mean, shit, he's in stigmata. He's in end of days. Like he, he's, he's kind of all over the place. He likes his horror. There's that atmosphere, that tension that's built or atmosphere and mystery. We'll call, I'm not going to say it's very tense, but it, you know, there's some interesting, there's some interesting kills for the gore hounds. There's some really fun elements to it. Like I said, it is a product of its time. You know, it, it, the end is ridiculous. There's, there's dreams. Well, not dream sequences, but there's sequences where guys think they're eating, you know, baked beans out of a can. And it turns out that they're maggots because the ghosts are fucking with them in their head. It, it's, it's ridiculous even for this movie standard and the blaring just, radio metal song blowing at the end of the movie as well that matched the beginning it just makes me laugh because it's such a 90s gimmick that felt five years too late believe it or not even you know watching it almost 20 years later and realizing shit you guys were behind on gimmicks and that's kind of that's kind of bad um but I, i do like the change of pace you know you get a ghost story that's on a ship instead of in a haunted house uh i i'm not deathly afraid of the ocean but the ocean does kind of make me uneasy. I do get seasick. I can't ride. <laughs> I can't ride on, on ships at all. We went whale watching once and it was, it was a disaster, but you know, it, it's sprinkled with moments. It, it, it suffers from being a product of its time. Uh, it's one of those, you got to watch it with friends. If you asked if it was in my top 20, 30, 75 horror movies, I'd probably say no. But guiltily, if anybody, if I was, if I was at a party or with a group of friends and we were all just having a few drinks and somebody wanted to put it on, I'd be the first to say, fuck yeah, put it on because it it is fun. You know what you're getting into. You subscribe to the just ridiculous premise of it all. And like I said, the ending's ridiculous. It's, it's kind of convoluted because you start poking holes in things, but that's where you got to just not think about it. If you start, if you start thinking about it, then you'll, you'll poke holes for days. So I didn't want to do that. Rewatching it again, I actually started finding a few other things that I actually kind of liked. I thought Carl Urban was better than I remember him being. Also, shout out Carl Urban's in it before he's, I don't want to say a household name, but before he's hes pretty well known. And it, really that production design is, is what kind of does it. The the murkiness and the ship, um, it feels like it feels like you're in the inside of a room that's at the bottom of, of Rapture or something. And, you know, those are only a couple years apart. So it's kind of cool. A lot of that stuff's really what sticks to it for me. The 
the main villain is is the guy from Dexter. I think his name is Quinn in that. And he's just not very convincing to me. And anything he's in, I, I feel really bad. But I don't think he's he's particularly good. Um, and Emily Browning's actually kind of creepy as a little ghost child. Why is this a guilty pleasure for me? I, I think because it is just mindless fun. You can just turn it on and watch it. And I know that's kind of been my my sticking point for a lot of the stuff we've covered. Is like, can I just put it on in the background? Probably. Um, can I can I have a good time with it? That's probably going to be more than enough for me. Now, it's a guilty pleasure because it's a terrible fucking movie. It's it's not worse than Thirteen Ghosts. I think it's better. But that's also not saying much. Yeah, like I said, if somebody asked me if I'd seen it, depending on who asked me, I'd, I'd probably be like, oh, no, is it any good? And, and it's one of those where you just kind of look around the room like, oh, fuck, I hope nobody catches me lying. But I, yeah, and, and I know you gave it a two star, which is, is pretty much what I would have given it myself. I would have given it two and a half for the production design, but um, I'm re- I was really curious after that opening to, to see how you felt about the rest of it. Yeah, well, let's 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 talk a little bit about it, and I can start kind of bouncing some of my notes here. I guess so we can go back and forth or whatever. Um, it, this, but yeah, this, the the opening ten minutes of this movie or so are really bizarre and then great. Um, it kind of opens and doesn't feel like a horror movie at all. You get this like pink fluorescent cre- opening credit sequence, oh, yeah. and the happy music, and just everyone dancing, enjoying their time on this ship. Uh, to the point where if it wasn't called Ghost Ship, I, I, I would have thought I, uh, I was watching the wrong movie um, <laughs> because it really didn't it really does not feel like anything you'd see out of horror at all. So I'm like, OK, uh, but then you kind of start getting these like this tense, like wire scene and some tense music. It's like, oh, OK, no, no, we're, we're in the right movie. Um, and then you just get this actually really rad opening where just everybody kind of gets uh, decapitated because of this. I don't know, this rope that just kind of. I don't know. I, I, I fuck. It doesn't make any sense, but none of this movie makes fucking sense. So <laughs> it's just cool at least. And and yeah, like everyone just kind of gets completely uh, chopped in half. And, uh, and yeah, you get this really gory rad opening. I was like, Oh shit. I was like, that's actually, that's actually rad. Um, now that's in the first 10 minutes of the movie and the rest of the 81 minutes of the movie, nothing nearly, nearly as interesting as that happens. No, not at all. <laughs> That's kind of where we have some issues, unfortunately. Well, you do get one guy that tries to have sex with the ghost. Yeah, that was great. I mean, that would, I have notes about that too. That was great. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's, I'm just going to go bounce down some of mine here. Uh, that was great. Uh, it, uh, although funny enough in my notes, it goes, the start of this movie is really fucking weird. Doesn't feel like a horror movie yet. Oh, okay. Never mind. As I type, here we go. Uh, and I want to also give like, a, I know you kind of shot at him already, but let's give a second shout out to Mr. Gabriel Byrne. Uh, we love oh, yeah. him at an hour to kill. Love Mr. Gabriel Byrne. I actually haven't seen enough of his work. Uh, what I've seen though, I've always enjoyed. Obviously hereditary is my favorite horror movie of all time. Uh, g- great in the usual suspects, even though that movie's kind of hated now for reasons I understand, but he's still really good in that. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, and, e- and even some stuff like spider, uh, maybe not my favorite Cronenberg movie, but, still you know he's solid in that too um so yeah there's lots of uh lots of stuff i have seen him in and uh i would like you've to. got a you've got to see end of days he's one of the best devils ever end of days yeah i don't think i've seen that no so i'll add, I'll add that to my watch list right now it's it's not only arnold schwarzenegger but you get oh, gabriel okay. Byrne uh in the middle of a restaurant sucking a woman's uh breast fantastic that's just yeah 10 so out of 10, right there it is. Nope. You know what you're getting into there. Uh, yeah, the acting all around in this movie is, um, I said very special. I think that's one way to put it. Uh, <laughs> Burn certainly isn't bad. Um, I wouldn't say he's completely phoning it in here, but I think it's pretty clear that 
95% of this cast don't really give a shit. So, yeah. Uh, my expectation for this movie, so this was still typed in really early, was, man, I hope we're at least going to get some gruesome deaths in this movie. Didn't really get that other than the start, unfortunately. So, yeah, that was just kind of fun. Although, like I said, later on, you kind of get that stupid idiot bumbling to his death over the the, the naked ghost. So that was Oh, funny. yeah. You know what this movie reminds me of, Damon? Have you ever played of any of Supermassive's games? Like, Until oh, Dawn? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have I've you played, played Until Dawn. Have you played Man of Madon? No, not yet. So it's their worst one. It's basically on a ship as well. And th- this movie just reminded me of it entirely too much. Um, not in a good way. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that's basically what this this movie reminded me, <laughs> me of totally. Uh, so maybe play Man of Madon. You might like it. It's maybe, maybe a guilty pleasure for you. Actually, you know what we should do sometime, Damon? Those games are all co-op. So if you ever oh. get it, we should totally do a stream and play those games together. That would be I'm so down. I think I actually yeah. have Man of Madon. I think it was a, a yeah. PlayStation thing a couple months ago. Yeah. We could totally, uh, we could totally stream that then and uh, play it together. So that would be fun. So that's an idea. But yeah. Uh, what else do we got here? Uh, what is with the jump scares in this movie? It's like they, they're not trying. Like there's jump scares there, but they're like weirdly. Not effective. Like, they're, well, they're not effective at all, but like there's, <laughs> there's all, like they don't have the usual music cues to go with them. And it's like they don't try it. They're like half assing the jump scares. It's bizarre. It, you, it, the whole no, I totally agree. The whole thing feels tonally <laughs> weird to me because well, that's my next like, The tone it, of this movie is so fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, it's it's exactly like Thirteen Ghosts because it wants to be a horror movie, but then it wants to be kind of an action movie, suspense movie, kind of. And and I think the editing is what does it. Is what kind of really throws me off too because the pacing's a little chunky. But it's the editing. You get these really weird quick cuts that you get in like fucking speed or. Yeah, or, or something else Zemeckis would have done, but it's it just doesn't fit. You're right. There's no music cues for the jump scares. There's no tension to build to the jump scares. It's really just it just kind of happens on a whim. And then you're like, wait, should I have been scared? There's one or two that I think get me, but but yeah, they're it's totally just extremely inconsistent. But yeah, like to go further along that route, um, yeah, it's weird. The tone is off. The music in this movie is also fucking bad. And you're like, right. That's like a late nineties thing, I guess with like the fucking, um, the, the metal music, the, the, the guy was fucking, I, I howled at the ending. Like howled at that, like, at, like that metal song. And then that slow shot of him still alive, walking onto the ship and her like, no, um, just like side eyeser, and you're like, wait, really? <laughs> yeah, just just stellar stuff there. Like, just absolutely fantastic. Um, oh, yeah. Speaking of the guy that dies clumsily to the naked girl, uh, I kind of just wish I was him on this ship, just drinking old rotten wine and fucking getting drunk. That, that seems like the best way to go on the ship, I guess. So, right. I mean, at least he got to flirt with the uh, with the uh, ghost, but. The ghost who didn't speak any English, by the way. So they had to have a, yes. a translator on set to translate oh, okay. what the director was speaking. directing to her. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> so they literally just hire. Okay. Well, that's that's great. I, I, whatever. Whatever. Whatever one's the part, I guess. Um, I have a note that just says beans. I, I, I like beans. So, yeah. <laughs> but the funny scene, too. Like they're just, you know, chowing down some beans and it all turns into maggots and, and whatnot. Um, that That's so nasty because they have a bunch yeah. of the maggots in their mouth. And it's not like you cut away. It's like you're watching them spit it out. That's one of the most, if not only, effective things in that movie is that with with 99 Cent Tim Roth and Carl Urban. 
United said Tim Roth. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Is it like, I don't know. Like, honestly, I, I was probably checked out a little bit in this movie in the second half. Well, honestly, after 10 minutes in, but specifically yeah. more in the second half. Um, but uh, I just, the, the plot was so asinine and some of those twists, it was hard for me to follow. Like, I don't know. I might've just been fucking out of it. And to be fair, I had just watched After Hours, which was fucking immaculate. Oh, um, I mean, so yeah. quite, 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 the, <laughs> quite the culture shock going from After Hours to, uh, to this <laughs> wonderful yeah, that's, film. that's an awful fucking jump. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to watch it today before we recorded, but I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. Like I've already watched two movies today. Let's just cram this one in here too. Oh boy. Did we cram it in there? Um, you know who should have made this movie? Hit me. James Cameron. Oh my God. It, it just would have been the abyss and it would have been an extra hour long. Yeah. Could, could have got Jimmy Cameron in there. Could have, could have made called this Titanic two. Could have like just fucking uh, added some fucking horror effects, man. I don't know, man. We, we could we could have salvaged this if Jimmy was involved. I would have been totally down for that. I totally would have been down for that. To, to your point, the the damn plot is so. I I don't understand. Like I know it had to do with the gold, and then they killed everybody. But then why is why is that guy? How is he able to to? go to land and get other crews here because they find stuff from other crews that have been there in the last several months or fresh bodies. And like, that's the kind of shit where I'm like, wait, I don't understand though. And, but it goes back to like, it's so convoluted. Don't the minute you think about it, you're just, you're, you're poking holes in everything for sure. For sure. Um, Oh, and also before we forget, uh, Damon, would you like to read your fun fact for this movie? Cause it is actually oh. a good one. Oh yes. As a matter of fact, um, Oh, and I only saved this one because when you text me, you were watching it and you were at the opening and you said it was it was pretty <laughs> nuts. Uh, I guess in 2016, uh, coming soon, the website named the film's opening scene one of the greatest in horror film history. And that's what's crazy to me is is it really is. It's, it's such a great opening. And then the rest just happens. But uh, I think that might be why this is a guilty pleasure for me because I could watch that opening a ton. It's just so well... Like I said, the music doesn't fit, the the credits, the font, the sequence, none of it fits. Seeing Robert fucking Zemeckis' name on it doesn't fit. It's just like, oh, okay. I mean, I guess it kind of does because he and and Silver and Hill and all them were involved in Tales from the Crypt. But still, just what a weird, just a weird tone. Everything is weird. And all their movies they've done at Dark Castle have this exact feeling when you watch them. Like... What, like, what are some other Dark Castle movies? Because I'm trying to think if I've seen any others. Have you seen like Gothica with Halle Berry or uh, Orphan, uh, the the one with the, the oh, Russian girl? Yeah, Orphan. Okay, yeah, I've, I've seen Orphan. Okay. R- remember in the in the late '90s, early 2000s, you had all those bad remakes, like the House of Wax remake. Well, yeah, they did all those, eh? Okay. Yeah, Haunted, uh, House on Haunted Hill remake. Anything okay. Vincent Price, I guess they could ruin. But a lot of just weird ones. But then they just completely go off the deep, and they're like, "Well, now we're going to do Ninja Assassin." And you're like, "Ninja Assassin, okay?" Or or uh, Rock and Rolla, like just so, such what a weird company. I, I just I assume they're not around movie. anymore. Uh, no, I think the last thing they did was the New Orphan. I think they're still technically around. Oh, so they are. Okay, okay, yeah. I haven't actually seen the New Orphan. Um, no, me either. I, I've been wanting to. Yeah, I actually didn't mind um, Orphan. So oh, first one's fun. It's yeah, fun like this but, one's fun. Well, maybe maybe more fun, I guess. <laughs> a, little, a little bit better. Uh, but no, like honestly, if anybody if anybody's listening to this and and they're like, okay, well, we, you haven't watched this movie and you're just sticking around, um, I can confidently say, go watch the first ten minutes of this movie and then stop. You're good. Uh, but the first ten minutes of this movie are fun and worth watching. Like it's, it's yeah, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's a great opening sequence. 
the the poster is so bad that really the tagline is C evil with C spelled like the C S E A. Yeah. Like, could we not think of I, I know. I shouldn't it's my guilty pleasure and I'm shitting all over it, but it, but again, I, I have such a weird fondness for it after having watched like I said, my wife kind of made me watch it a couple years ago because she loves shit like this. She and, and to be fair, there's a, a place in my heart for bad movies too. I'm a huge trauma fan. I mean, we'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah. It's just something about it is is it's on and it's ridiculous. I mean, you have pools of CG blood. You've got it, it will the only thing, like I said, I will give it is just the production design is really good. the The sets are built really yeah, fucking absolutely. cool. A lot of the, like the dilapidated shit and the abandoned. You have the rust and the and the sea aging and even the the chairs and the desks and the tables and everything and, and in the compartments, everything looks really good. And it's, and it's kind of uh, kind of like a ruse because you're like, man, this looks cool. But then as you're paying attention, you're like, Oh, but it's just not very good. Except for the dude who gets his, his face chopped off at the mouth, the captain, that was pretty cool. But that's all part of that same opening. So it's, it's just such a, it's, it's a, it's a weird movie. I, I almost wonder if this is like five or six different decisions away from being, you know, a six. Yeah, or fifteen or twenty. Um, I, <laughs> I, uh, I uh, also thank you. I did have. I actually had thirteen ghosts on my watch list. I did remove it now. So we're, oh, we're also uh, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, that's not enough to, to to say that one. That's actually why I think I added in my first place. But yeah, no, you were uh, we're gone there. Uh, we got about seven minutes left, so uh, I've kind of covered most of my notes with this. Dame, what what else did you want to uh, poke into with this film? I think that's most of it for me. They're, they're really the one thing. One thing my wife pointed out when we're watching it, I think, was the gold bars. She was like, "They're not really that big, right?" I was like, "No, they're not. It's a movie, of course, and be bigger." But uh, yeah, you know, there's just I, I tried to find another reason why this was a guilty pleasure for me because like, again, guilty pleasure is kind of hard because there's certain movies that I absolutely adore that I know are sh- total shit, and I have no guilt about liking them, you know. But this one, I, I just you know, I, I think I, I, it's one of those where it's just as simple as, you know, I just kind of like it because I like it. And it's the CG's bad. The transitions are bad. The editing's terrible. The acting's not great. When the ship sinks, you're right. It really is like the Titanic. It does the like it tops up and then just sinks all the way down. Uh, oh, the only other kill I can think of that was kind of cool, though, was the um, uh, when they do show the during the whole flashback, the expositionary flashback of what the hell happened back in the day, the little girl showing Juliana Margulies and the Italian woman in the red dress gets that hook right through the bottom of her chin. That was pretty fucking cool. Um, but you know, two redeeming moments, I guess don't, don't make a whole movie. No, no, they, they, they definitely don't. Uh, I will, like I said, though, there is, like I said, there were some positives, the opening 10 minutes of the movie are really fun. Um, the costume design and the actual set design and stuff like that's all pretty fun. Um, and it is, like you said, it's probably one of those movies where you could just like put it on at like a party and say, all right, we're going to take a shot for every time something fucking stupid happens in this movie. Now, you might end up with alcohol poisoning doing that. Oh, yeah. You're going to have a good time. <laughs> um, so there's that uh, that to go with it, too. Uh, who who wrote this fucking movie? I'm just curious. Uh, OK. Yeah, oh, Hamlin, right? Mark Hamlin. Hamlin and, Hamlin and Pogue. Hamlin really hasn't done anything else. Pogue no. at least has a couple of other movies on his thing. He did Rollerball, which I actually funny. I remember advertisements for that. And uh, oh god, that's that's some bad ratings on that. Oh, the uh, the remake, right? Yeah, with Chris Klein oh, and Ella Cool yeah. J. Yeah, and and Slipknot. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So nothing there. What about, what about the cinematography? Okay. Yeah, not much. Tank Girl. Tank Girl. Oh, hey, there you go. I got uh, some ties yeah. to Tank Girl. Okay. Right, yeah, uh, you know, it's just it's just one of those. It's uh, yeah. there's a reason nobody talks about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, any other final thoughts on uh, Ghost Ship, or we'll uh, we'll we'll pin her there. Uh, yeah, I think if you see a, a little girl disappearing through walls, you just walk the other fucking direction. Uh, correct. That's always a good life advice. To be honest, if you just see a kid at all, just walk the other direction. Just, <laughs> just per yeah, chance. Yeah, per chance. Per chance to dream. Uh, get the fuck out of there. Yeah, no. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put a pin in this one. Uh, unlike the uh, unlike the people who were adrift in the nineteen sixty two floating sea. Floating adrift on the Burling Bur- Burling Seas, uh, we need to move on. We cannot stay haunted forever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we are going to now move into my pick, which is 2006's Slither. Uh, this is yes. directed, of course, by the wonderful James Gunn. You might know that guy. He's uh, done a couple of Marvel movies, some DC movies. No, no biggie, right? Lollipop no, Chainsaw. Yeah, well, yeah, he was involved in the Lollipop Chainsaw, which is a rad fucking game. Uh, man's man's done a lot of cool shit. Let's put it that way. And this is one of the first things I actually have a touchstone with him from. Uh, starring Nathan Fillion, Elizabeth Banks, and of course Michael Rooker. Uh, where is my? Here we go. Slither. A small town is taken over by an alien plague, turning residents into zombies and all forms of mutant monsters. Fun fact for this one, and this is really a fun fact. Again, I had no idea about this, but really cool. Oh, uh, Jen Fisher, who was married to Gunn at the time, was not originally part of the cast. The actor in her role begged to be released from this contract because he had an offer to shoot a pilot, so Gunn let him go. And then rather than having a performer on set who didn't want to be there, so Gunn swapped the character's gender and gave her a few more lines. But by the time the movie was released, Fisher had already become immensely popular from The Office, so much so that they actually put her on the Tonight Show to promote the film. Fucking cool! I didn't know that. <laughs> That's pretty great nice. Story. That's a great story. So why did I pick Slither? So obviously, like we, me, me and me and Damon took the the guilty pleasure thing slightly different here. I would actually absolutely recommend this movie. Uh, do I think it's some cinematic masterpiece? Hell no. Like I said, this isn't going to be my top ten horror movies of all time. Uh, I don't think this is pretending to be anything it isn't. Uh, but it's an absolute fucking blast of a movie it's just a great time from beginning to finish from beginning to end uh you get just maybe one of my favorite performances from michael rooker that i've seen like he is just phenomenal in this movie i think he's so so well done in this movie Um, and i'm a big nathan fillion stan like ever since from the the firefly days i've always been a huge fan of Nathan Fillion. So for him to get like a leading role, I'm pretty, I'm like 95% sure he's the reason I first saw this movie. Like I can't remember for sure uh, back then, but I'm 95% sure. And if I remember correctly, I could be wrong about this. So somebody can fact check me. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure this was one of the first movies that was released on HD DVD. And I bought it. And that's another reason why this has kind of a touchstone with me is because I'm pretty sure I remember watching this fucking movie on my Xbox 360 HD DVD attachment, <laughs> um, which is which is a bit of a pull for, for all you Zoomers in the crowd. Uh, and I still maintain HD DVD was the superior format. It's got fucked by Blu-ray. 
but that's a that's that's a that's an argument for another day. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. So Slither, uh, this movie's just like I said, it's a total blast. It's so much fun from start to finish. You get uh, you get Nathan Fillion, Elizabeth Banks, Michael Rooker, and plenty more. Obviously, Jenna Fisher's here. Uh, James Gunn's in the movie for a minute, which it's always fun to see him look young and not stressed out uh, as he is these days. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, again, I just, I, I, I fucking love this movie, man. The special effects in this movie are fantastic. There's so many scenes in this movie that just like, kind of like make you ugh, gross. Like there's just so much gross, stuff. especially if you're like me and you're not a big fan of insects and stuff like that. Oh um, no. It's funny. You were talking about a uh, ghost ship having a horrible, horrible cheap poster. Uh, Slither's poster is amazing. If we if we flip that on the contrary, it's very. I mean, I don't know if it's much more expensive to to make that poster, but it's just a shot of the woman in the bathtub and all of these like parasitic creatures, uh, the little slither aliens, whatever you want. Oh call yeah, them, uh, yeah, that's a great them. poster. Yeah, just a great poster, and it really insp- uh, makes your mind wonder, like what the fuck's going on in this movie but yeah like this movie's like a seven out of ten for me i think it's just a great time it's definitely my biggest guilty pleasure um and because we did forget to do the honorable mentions at the top uh the only other movie i was really considering over this one was leprechaun uh but i have plans for leprechaun i really want to do an entire series watch uh, this Halloween, and then next year I'm hoping to do just a special episode entirely on Leprechaun, and we can talk about it more there. So that's kind of why I didn't go Leprechaun here, but that probably fit your definition of guilty pleasure better because that movie's a piece of shit. Well, all those movies, oh are a piece yeah. Of shit. <laughs> but yeah, we're gonna um, we're definitely gonna talk more about uh, Leprechaun in the future. But yeah, let me uh, uh, let me bang through some of my notes here quickly on Leprechaun. Or Leprechaun on slither um and then i'll toss it over to you for some thoughts damon but yeah for sure uh, let's where we go oh for, we start at the very top the o- opening of this movie it's totally a, a play on evil dead right like how you kind of get that quick shot to the forest like oh, that yeah totally is evil dead like it just reminded me so much of that it was like oh fuck like and having just watched all the evil deads uh, semi-recently i'm like yeah this is totally that um, and speaking of Evil Dead, not that one specifically, but more Army of Darkness, um, this would totally be in the running for me for a, a favorite like horror comedy of all time, too. This movie's just so fucking funny with the scares that it provides mm-hmm. as well, which we also plan to do a favorite horror comedy episode at some point, too, because there's a lot. Oh, of, yeah. A lot of, lot of great choices um, there. Uh, the real horror of this movie, though, I feel is kind of at the start and you get the real life depiction of marriage uh, in a movie, you know, <laughs> work, work one out there for yourself. Oh boy, this is hard to watch. Very horrifying. <laughs> um, and then we go right into some karaoke, like crying game. What a banger selection! Oh right? yeah, like if you're doing some karaoke, that's just, that's the one that you get the person that gets up and can't sing worth a shit, and they're up there singing crying game. That's a banger, man. Like Gun James is always spot with his music. Was, uh, that is a note that is my next note like the guy is always just bang on with his soundtrack selections in his movies isn't he like he just always nails them so hard like it's just perfect uh but yeah the creature design in this movie it's disgusting it's awesome how michael rooker starts is like you know just normal and then starts slowly getting deformed and then what he fucking turns into by the end of this movie it, it's just tremendous and to call back another horror movie um, I, I don't know if you've seen this one, Damon. Have you seen uh, The Brood? Oh, no. 
uh, from David Cronenberg. Okay. Yeah, so actually not. One of the few of his I haven't. Fair. So I won't spoil it, but I will say definitely reminded me of that a little bit, kind of some of the stuff near the end. And we'll leave it at that. But yeah, very, very much reminded me of that. So I think that's kind of another play, but just great design, great practical effects, great costumes, great gore, uh, all that stuff in here. Uh, Michael Rooker, like I said, uh, he's fantastic in this fucking movie. Like he's so, so funny in this movie. And boy, he must be happy that he attached himself to be the guy in every James Gunn movie now, eh? Oh, (laughs) God, no kidding. With the way his career is gone, like, fuck yeah, put me in every one of your movies, please. I'll be your good look charm. But he earned it in this movie. Like, he's fantastic here. He steals the entire movie from me. I love Nathan Fillion, but he steals the entire movie. He's so good here. Yeah, I I fucking, he's so, yeah, I I 100% agree. He, he's great. And uh, go ahead. He's just awesome. (laughs) Damn, girl, you are chocolate for the eyes. (laughs) Come on, man. That's just the delivery on that line. Perfect. Perfect. Um, I don't understand. uh, One thing that uh, always bothers me about this movie is why when they go to the little hootenanny, um, at the town hall, why Elizabeth Banks is so overdressed. Like she's wearing this like beautiful dress and looks fantastic. Like looks like a fucking 10 out of 10, like movie star. And everyone else is wearing like jeans and a fucking cowboy hat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is always weird. I chalked it up to like, well, she wanted to go to Hollywood. So maybe she's got a little bit more higher taste, but the rest of the movie, she's not overdressed ever. So yeah, it's kind of it is an odd. It does stick out, I guess, just so she sticks out in the room. Right. Poor Brenda. That's my note. Just poor, <laughs> poor, poor Brenda. Lordy me, poor Brenda. Um, You know what's weird to me, though, about this movie? I, I really do see a lot of Guardians of the Galaxy here. I, I really oh. do. Like you can, just, you can just see a lot of James Gunn's, like, tendencies and what he likes to do in movies. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's way more Disney-ified, like PG. Like, I don't mean that as an insult, but it's more, you know, PG, family-friendly has to be. But I, I definitely see some of that early play here. Like you can just totally see the way it's shot and the way some things are. So, mm-hmm. and, and not... some of the some of the dialogue, just the banter between people and and their cadences. Sure. It's very him, for sure. Uh, always love a movie where kids die and they're not off limits early on. You right? How ballsy! Play. I love that. Yeah, early on you get that scene where that teenager's like busting the door to save down to save her little sisters, and you just think, yeah, they're going to be alive and she'll save them. But no, they're both fucking oh. parasites in there. They're dead. <laughs> So love that. Just I I feel that's great. Um, I feel like James Gunn would make a rad fucking zombie movie, like just a fucking killer zombie film if he ever got the chance. I always wondered if he had what the Dawn of the Dead remake would have been like if he didn't just write it, like if he did wrote and directed it. Yeah, right. Like I I really do wonder that. Which again, I actually like the Dawn of the Dead remake. It's probably you know besides Watchmen, it's probably my yeah. favorite thing from Schneider. Um, but yeah, I would have loved, loved to see what he would have done with the zombie movie. So, yeah. Um, he, I think one of the most best things to talk about in this movie are, do mon- or do Martians constitute as aliens in general, or are they only from Mars? Like, that brings up a good point. <laughs> it's actually like, a really good fucking point. No, it is a good point. Like, when we say Martians, yeah, we kind of think Mars, but, like, they are just from outer space, right? Yeah, that's how I mean, that's after this movie, especially, I kind of feel like it's the latter. They're just from outer space. I think Nathan's a bit of a dick for just kind of shrugging it off. I think it's a valid (laughs) question. 
Uh, okay, so anyways, uh, that's kind of some overall general thoughts about uh, Slither. Uh, Damon, why don't you talk to me about Slither, you know, your experience with this movie and uh, what you thought of rewatching it. I remember watching it. It actually came out the year I graduated high school. And I remember wanting to see it just because the, the trailer, the poster, everything is right up my alley. Um, and I actually knew James Gunn's name because of the the writing. He he actually worked with Troma with Lloyd Kaufman. So he wrote uh, Tromeo and Juliet. He directed some short films like Kabuki Man and or Humanzi and some other stuff. But this movie is if anybody knows what Troma is like, you know, Toxic Avenger class of Newcomb High, just those, you know, you have B movies. Troma is probably C minus D movies. I mean, they're down there in budget. They're down there in in everything but there's just they're fun they're 80s they're overly gory and ridiculous the absurdity is there everything that this movie is is trauma this is literally a trauma film just with more money and re-watching it again just i saw that i was like fuck this is exactly but it's more than that he actually makes it kind of a kind of a love letter if you will um because you brought up the Evil Dead shot in the beginning through the through the forest, and this is I've seen this movie at least five or six times, and this is the first time when they show the very first shot of the town, and you're getting the businesses, and there's actually a business that's closed down called R.G. McCready's, uh, R.J. McCready's, which is Kurt Russell's character in the thing. I never caught that, and yeah, me neither. That, that's really cool. That in itself should show you, I mean, that this whole movie is a love letter. You've got Lloyd Kaufman, the guy who who directs and runs all of Troma, is on the TV in in one sequence in the background somewhere. He has a little cameo. Uh, Toxic Avenger is on in Brenda's house when what's-his-name gets there, when, when Rooker gets there. The whole movie, I mean, I think Rob Zombie's in it, too. He actually, he's the guy on the other end of the phone. He's the doctor when Elizabeth Banks calls. So he, he he's a total love letter. It's pure, just B movie fun. All his trauma roots are on full fucking display. Uh, the creatures are ridiculous. Shout out Todd Masters, by the way, because that's his company up in Canada, and they're great. They do a lot of shit. But it, it's it's lit- it's a nod to Brian Usna's Society. If you've never seen Society, please go watch it. That's that's also that's like Reanimator and the Beyond. That's those guys, and the the Rooker creature at the end is, is feels like it was ripped from society. Uh, but the movie, I mean, it's invasion of the body snatchers meets night of the living dead meets. It's funny. You brought up the brood. I was thinking shivers, which is another Cronenberg movie kind of all rolled into one. And just something about James Gunn. He knows his audience. Like he knows who this movie's for. He knows what they want. You know, he throws in all those other homages too. I mean, fuck you have goosebump books in there too. It, it, it's just, it feels like such a trauma movie. If you went to Lloyd Kaufman and said, Hey, you know what? I've actually got about 15 million bucks for you. So all that stuff's in there. Um, uh, one note I did have, we were t- you were talking about Rooker and Rooker is absolutely balls to the wall. The best fucking part of this movie, but right behind him is Greg Henry. Cause he is hilarious. I mean, the, the minute he pulls up in the car and he's talking shit to the guy in front of him, and then he looks out and that woman's like, oh, hi, mayor. And you're like, this guy's the fucking mayor. And he's just with a name like with a name like Jack McReady. You know, Jack you know, McReady. you know, you're going to get a good, uh, a good character of that. 
Oh yeah, Grandpa Quill. He's and there, that's another thing about Gunn. He just loves his people. He keeps you know. You see Nathan come up. Greg comes. Uh, uh, Greg Henry, Nathan Fillion, Rooker. Um, he's, well, yeah, he's, Nathan Fillion just got casted. Uh, I think in the new Superman movie he's doing too. So yeah, yeah, he's uh, playing uh, Guy Gardner. Yeah. That's awesome. So shout out to him for that. But yeah, he's very loyal. He, he likes to keep uh, the same people involved. And obviously Rooker is his good luck charm at this point. But yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it, it's just, it's such a fun, it's funny because when you told me you were doing this as a guilty pleasure, the first thing I thought was like, man, there is nothing guilty about my pleasure for Slither. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what that sounds. <laughs> no, I, I get it. Like I said, we definitely, we, we definitely took a little bit of a, of a different, uh, different path to this topic, which is fine. They're not all going to be followed the exact same way. We'll have some, like there's one episode I've been thinking, I actually haven't even talked to you about this one yet, Damon, but I kind of want to do like, like a best, um, like a favorite, like uh micro budget horror movie and do something like only movies like under a million dollar budget a lot. And we'll have a strict limit on that. Um, so yeah, so like we'll have some movies that'll have more strict guidelines and topics, but for this one, it's just, you know, whatever we found that was, you know, a fun movie, but maybe not great. Or, or maybe yeah. not, um, maybe not, you know, some cinematic ma- horror masterpiece. <laughs> so every trauma movie. movie. <laughs> yeah, I, which I, I, I wouldn't watch some of those one day because they, they look fun. Um, no, like, I mean, like, you know, like, I hate the term elevated horror. You know what I mean? No one's going to oh, mistake. Yeah. I, no one's going to mistake this for something like that. This is just fun. It's, it's what no, it is. It's not, you're it's not trying to right. at the wheel. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, like you said, it's it's all those movies rolled into one. It's his zombie movie. It's his invasion of the body snatchers. It's it, and it's just fun. I mean, you got the zombies walking down the road like Night of the Living Dead, and it just all the all the homages and ties. Like I, I remember when I finally did see it, I was so bummed I didn't see it in theaters because it took me like a year or two to finally get to it and. And when I did, I instantly bought it on DVD. And I think you're right about the HD DVD thing. I, I vividly remember seeing HD DVD cases for this movie. But one thing I will say about James is he's gotten a lot better about how to shoot some of these effects as well. Um, you know, you only have as much money as you have. And, you know, the, 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 date, the dating on this, it's almost 20 years old now. That ending fire with Rooker blowing up and everything is is definitely rough yeah it's definitely not uh <laughs> some of the effects are a little bit uh a little bit rough for sure at times here i, I imagine this movie didn't have the biggest budget in the world no which i think it was like 10 wild. million yeah which is still kind of wild to me that you know i mean gun before this had really only done trauma uh, trauma stuff right yeah, this is his direct, and this is his feature length debut. Yeah. yeah, so the fact that he, you know, he got he got to wrote his feature debut, direct it, fucking horror movie with a fifteen million dollar budget for Universal Pictures, like that's yeah, well, everyone that, gets that opportunity. So good for him, right? Like that's fucking awesome. Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, yeah, it. it it really is. You don't see that often. I'm actually, when I read that it was 15 million, I was surprised. I was like, shit, I didn't think they would have given him that much. I, I, especially back then I would have expected, you know, eight to 10, but he, he makes do though. He makes it, he makes it work. Cause some of those sequences are truly fucking disgusting. Like Rooker, when he's, when he's running out with the elongated arm and he like knocks yeah. over the chair and he was yeah. like, Oh, fuck, that looks cool. I guess, I guess Rooker actually dislocated his shoulder in that scene. Oh, they didn't tell anybody. <laughs> so he's running cause his shit's all fucked up. Cause it's actually fucked up. <laughs> oh man. That's great. I, like I said, poor Brenda, but Brenda's fucking 
Oh, effects look awesome. Like she yes. just for anyone who hasn't seen this movie, if you're listening to it, Google Brenda from Slither, and I'm sure you'll get some shots of it. But by the end of those movies, she's just this. She basically, if you've seen Monty Python and the Meaning of Life, she kind of looks like that guy, just even fucking oh, bigger. Um, just she fills the entire room, and she just basically pops like a balloon, and all of these little creatures that you see in the posters and stuff like that, they end up coming out of her, um, and they all become like uh, Michael Rooker's like hive mind so to speak uh which is pretty interesting i think starla starla yeah he's so he's again he's just fantastic in this fucking movie he puts in such a good performance so uh definitely definitely the the shining gem but like you said greg henry's great here too um and we haven't really talked about her too but elizabeth banks is great here too i really liked her job in here she's just kind of playing the the housewife who uh you know not really in love with that love with her husband anymore but you know she's trying to be a good wife and and watch yeah. uh, watch him go to shit basically <laughs> yeah no kidding I, I thought she was great she's she's awesome she's uh i mean and to to be able to sit in a scene with with rooker kissing up on you and flicking your nipples like I, you got to give that woman an oscar for that <laughs> yeah no kidding eh she uh <laughs> she does a pretty good job there for sure <laughs> oh man but yeah no this movie is just it's so much fun we've gone over the music again like always he's great soundtrack in all of his movies there were some choice music choices here. oh yeah um what did you have a favorite uh that uh yahoy's song at the very end uh the, okay, i love you but get yeah. the fuck away from me <laughs> yeah yeah that honestly might be mine too it's fucking great it's that, that's so good um, and yeah, this is just like I said, I, I really do enjoy horror comedy movies a lot. And so I, just the insanity like that this movie devolves into for me, it's just nothing short of brilliant. And you really do just kind of get that perfect mix of horror and comedy uh, mm-hmm. as this goes on. And when, when a movie knows that, when you have a director that knows what they're doing with that and they're able to kind of hit that balance. I mean, to me, it's just some of the best stuff you can get, right? Because again, horror is all very subjective. What scares you isn't going to scare me. And funny enough, we're going to do an episode uh, later on uh, this year, we're on Halloween of uh, our favorite piece of horror media that's just generally scary, like our favorite scary piece of media, I should say. Um, you know, horror comedy, it kind of takes it kind of takes the absurdity of horror and, you know, mixes in some jump scares. But it's funny, too. And who doesn't love that? Right. Oh, yeah. And just like you said, he balances it out so well. But to do it for your first film, I mean, that it's impressive. I, I get why he eventually you know why he is who he is and that that talent's on full display from the jump and i think it's great it's nice to see that that didn't go unnoticed and he didn't just you know get relegated to to nothing but b movies i'm glad he was able to make a jump yeah because well what did he do after this he did, he did super, super after this. right which i actually yeah. haven't seen i haven't seen that I should add that to my watch list and watch that at some That's, point yeah add it i'm i'm curious what you think i'm i'm hit and miss on it i have my uh, there's st- yeah I- i'm curious what you think fair enough and then he went straight from that into basically guardians of the galaxy which is wild right like to go yeah. from these two movies that are obviously kind of lower budget just kind of you know fun movies to go from those into fucking the biggest mcu property but i guess at the time too like marvel i guess they were kind of just picking smaller directors like that eh like yeah. I, they really weren't picking these well-known directors or doing anything like that. They were just kind of picking guys that they could kind of mold to do their own thing and make movies the MCU way. But the nice thing about Gunn is I guess Guardians, you know, it did so fucking well for the MCU. And it was easily one of the most popular things that came out of that early run 
that he kind of oh, got yeah. carte blanched and a lot more freedom to do what he wanted to do and was able to finish up his uh, his trilogy the way he wanted, which is really nice, it's obviously. It's until impressive. I, I mean, he did get fired from Disney for a hot minute. <laughs> And and you do see his style of comedy in this. I mean, you're killing children. They're making jokes oh, yeah. about younger women. There's jokes about lesbians. There's jokes about there's jokes about everything. I, nobody's yeah. off limits. And oh. and that's why I was not to get into it, but like you know what you're hiring when you hire him after these two movies, after this and Super. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And that's why that's why I thought the whole thing with, with him getting fired from disney in the first place was really fucking stupid like it's like come on guys you, you knew his past you've you, you i'm sure you've done your research and if you didn't you're idiots but i'm sure you've you should have done your research and, and seen you know the type of humor this guy was known for um and and even so there's nothing wrong with that it's just fucking humor that's what it is it's a joke mm-hmm. so, exactly right? like like i don't understand it but Anyways, they, I mean, everything happens for a reason. He went to DC, did the Suicide Squad, which is another very fun movie. Um, And he's now president of DC doing fucking Superman. Doing (laughs) fucking Superman. (laughs) Wild shit and a wild career trajectory for for James Gunn, which is almost as interesting as Slither itself. Like, he really is one of the more fascinating directors out there, I feel. Yeah. I I mean, who else can you name from the trauma camp that, grew as big as he did it's kind of nobody like lloyd kaufman's uh a little bit of a hero to some people like i i i can appreciate the guy i think he's hilarious and and i read a lot of stuff uh interviews with him and and you see stuff but like he knows his he knows his lane he knows he's staying in that world so yeah it's doing a new uh they're doing a new toxic avengers movie still right that's i heard uh last i heard yeah yeah, i want to go check i mean as long as that guy wants to keep making movies i'm in yeah, who's the fucking somebody who was directing that too? Hold on, I'm curious now. I need to search this one sec. It's probably a remake or something, right? Yeah, it is a remake. Um, oh, the Toxic Avenger. There it is. Okay, that's why I know. Okay, unfortunately, the movie sucked. So never mind. <laughs> oh, um, oh, it's uh, oh, oh, I didn't like it. He he directed a movie. I actually just recently watched this a couple weeks ago called uh, "I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore." Oh, um, making Blair. Yeah, making yeah, yeah, Blair. Yeah. So he, I, I was not a fan of that movie, unfortunately. But oh, okay. apparently, he's doing the the Toxic Avenger uh, remake with. That's uh, right. With, I, I remember with, him a Peter lot. Glitch and Jacob Tremblay. Kevin oh Bacon, wow, Elijah Wood. It's got a, quite the cast in it. So Elijah Wood doesn't surprise me. They're he, they did. Um, I think he works with Spectre Vision for stuff. Or well, I, I, mean, I know he, they're I know they're in the well, same he, camp. A one, he was in. I don't. He starred in. I don't feel at home in this. Oh yeah, duh. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I like making Blair in like uh, uh, one of those like Blue Ruin and and even in Green Room. Uh, What's his name's movies? Jeremy Solner's was pretty cool. But I forgot he directs also. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, you're all good. But uh, way off topic. There. Back to Slither. Uh, We have a few minutes left. So, did you have any other final notes or anything else you wanted to go over with this wonderfully gross movie? Uh, I'm not like a, a trigger warning person. I get why some people need it and it's totally fine. I'm not bashing it by any means. I don't need one. Um, but holy shit, I actually always forget how much animal death is in this and, and how many dead animals you see. So I don't know. I guess if you're going to watch it and you're, you know, <laughs> we made my sister watch it. Who's visiting from out of town and she's a vegetarian. So that was, that was kind of funny. Yeah, no, there are a lot of dead. There's that one. I always love that. Again, that one scene where Brenda's just like, can you just, can you hand me some of that possum over there? 
Like just, just yeah. a little bit of that possum. <laughs> and then fucking uh, Greg Henry season just fucking goes out, throws up outside. Like he can't deal with that anymore. The dead fucking possum. <laughs> this bitch just wanted a bite of it. So yeah, so that, that's nasty. great. But yeah, no, there are a lot of dead, very dead and realistic, gross looking animals in this movie. So yep. yeah, I'm not much of a trigger, works, a trigger warning person either. But if you have not seen this movie and you're listening to this and that bothers you, I want to fast forward through some of this movie for sure. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a gore hound movie for gore hounds. Yeah. Like, like you said, nothing's off limits. So <laughs> no, not at all. All right. Anything else? Uh, no, just, uh, just going to continuously dream about Michael Rooker talking about chocolate for the eyes. <laughs> Again, some of the lines from uh, Michael Rooker in this movie are still, I wish I wrote down more of them because he's got quite a few. I only wrote down that one. Uh, I do wish I wrote down more. But uh, yeah, there's there's some great lines from him in this movie, uh, and he is worth the price of admission alone. Uh, this oh, is one easily. of those movies. I think I think you mentioned it where you didn't. You, you're sad you never got to see it in theaters. If this somehow ever made its way back to theaters, I'd be there, man. Day one, I would go watch this in theaters. I feel that'd be fun. You get a good crowd. That because this movie's probably kind of a cult now, cult classic, kind of in that vein. So I think you oh, get yeah. a good full crowd of people that like this movie, and uh, it would be a lot of fun for sure. <laughs> My favorite line is from one of the cops. He's one of the throwaway older guys. And what does he say? He says, uh, uh, he looks like something that fell off my dick during the war. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's yeah, that's terrible. That's, that's perfect. <laughs> perfect. And in fact, that's a great place to stop that conversation. So uh, we <laughs> are going to slither our way on out of here and stop talking about slither uh, still at five minutes left on the clock but you know what we don't we don't waste your time here at an hour to kill we talk for the amount of time allotted we need for the movies and we're not going to stretch it out so that's a perfect way plenty of time to spare in this episode but we had a great conversation about two just wonderful horror movies wonderful wonderful horror movies uh, yes, go ship too. We'll, we'll, we'll give it a little bit of love. <laughs> <I> was... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's it. The clock has stopped. We have finished another episode. Uh, Damon, do you have any final thoughts on either of these movies? General life musings? Anything you want to say? I think if you go watch Slither, definitely watch it. But if you have any interest in in the trauma stuff, I think definitely go back and, and check it out. If you're into Corman and you're into just that, uh, that level of B movie, complete schlock. Yeah. Start with toxic Avenger, then do return or a, a class of Newcomb high. And then from there you can go as downhills that will allow you. But I, I think trauma should be, I think everybody should at least check out something. Yeah, I definitely want to check those out, too. Those are I, I don't even know if they're streamable anywhere or what the easiest way to watch them is. Uh, actually, all the toxic event, the three toxic Avenger movies and Newcomb Hire on Amazon Prime right now in the States. I don't know about you guys. But. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Canuck here. So I'll have to I'll have to take a peek into that it might be a little bit different. But uh, yeah, definitely something I will have to check out. And toxic Avengers always been one I wanted to watch, too. I remember um, I actually I never did watch it, but I remember vividly my dad having that VHS and that cover just kind of creeping me out. <laughs> so I do, uh, I do remember that movie. Never did watch it, but always been on my list. So we'll see. Might be a good episode one day too. You never know. All right. Well, for myself and for Damon here at an hour to kill, thank you again for taking an hour out of your busy day to listen to us. 
And uh, we'll be back next month with another new episode. See you guys later. Uh, Watch out for those ghost ships. God.